Hey you, it's me. Uh, welcome back to what will hopefully be the last episode of Simply More over here on Simply Put. I make no guarantees, but things are, are starting to move in a way that I think I can transition back to my normal format and hopefully um, everything will be smooth sailing from there. So I'm going to jump right in here. We're going to talk about us more. So at the end of last year, we talked about diversifying our libraries and kind of I dropped a couple YouTube videos and gave a couple of um, of TikTok and Facebook groups that you could go to if you were looking to do that. Um, that is not currently something that I'm doing for my own personal library, but since it's something that I do for that of my daughter and soon to be my son as well, um, I am really well versed in what diversifying a children's library looks like. So a lot of the resources that I left were for that as well. Um, I've referenced that then, I've referenced it in almost everything I've talked about uh, format-wise since then. I I love books. Um, I love books. I love writing them. I love reading them. I love talking about them, reviewing them. I love working with them. Uh, I even used to get off the bus uh, like 17 stops early and walk a mile or so home just so that I could stop at the library on the way. So to say I'm a fan uh, is an understatement. So inviting me to an Osborne Books party should seem like a sure sale, right? Um, no, 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 it doesn't. Um, sure, I may have been promoted to a position that I personally see as way more important than godparent. Uh, when a friend asked me if, um, if I would be their son's librarian and help, um, and help build him a library of diverse books that are within whatever interest he, he decides that he's interested in during that, you know, quarter or whatever. And, um, I don't know. I just thought that was the cutest thing. And it's a position that I take very seriously. Uh, But that doesn't mean that I'm ordering from the children's equivalent of a Tupperware party in order to make sure that he has those books. And and I buy books for kids fairly often. Uh, Most of my friends read. They read to their kids. Uh, My daughter enjoys books. She's still not quite to a point where she she wants me to read to her regularly, but she has her favorite books that she always wants me to read to her. At least once or twice a week, we're reading the same book three or four different times, and every time we go shopping, she always wants to check out books, and she always picks out books with kids who look like her on the cover. So despite how all of that may make it sound, uh, comparing it to a Tupperware catalog or whatever, like, I don't actually have any bad feelings about Usborne necessarily. Um, As far as I'm concerned, anything that convinces people to buy their kids books or encourages them to read with their children or encourages their kids to read um, on their own is a win for me, even if it's even if it's a multi-level marketing company, um, if parents need to gaslight gatekeeping girl boss their communities into having a higher literacy rate, uh, I, I am going to support that fully 
with my non-monetary ways. I will not be throwing money at the company. I have no intention of purchasing from them now or in the future, but I really do think that anything that gets kids to read. The Scholastic Book Fair is another example of things that I think are um, actually terrible. I don't think Osborne is and is terrible. I do think the Scholastic Book Fair and the way that that is put on is absolutely fucking cruel to children, especially to children in poor communities. But that is that is a conversation for another day. Um, I will I will definitely be sending my kid with book fair money because of how traumatized I am from the way that book fair was run when I was in school. That is a completely different story. I don't have the same sort of negative feelings towards Osborne, and I really hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, but if I'm not, um, nobody tell me, okay? No, I'm kidding. Um, if I'm not, I will fix it at some point. Um, but why won't I buy from them? If if I don't think that they're, like, terrible, like the Scholastic Book Fair is, um, why why would I why would I not buy from them? Um, I'm not their target demographic. And, and I've spent the last decade, at least, um, since college, and I graduated a decade ago, so maybe like a decade and a half. Um, but the last decade, decade and a half using my money to support businesses whose viewpoint I align with, and who are willing to do what needs to be done in order to tackle the causes that are applicable to um, to what they do, at the very least, uh, both publicly and unapologetically. And Osborne doesn't do that. Um, when I first announced that I was pregnant with my daughter, I was inundated with invitations to Usborne Books parties, and they were never ending. I swear there was the week that we announced I was six and a half months pregnant at the time. Um, I got 15 invitations every day for almost an entire week. And I cannot tell you how disheartening it is to get a message saying, hey, girly, and then read the exact same thing over and over and over again. And then at the end being like reading like, oh, and congratulations on the baby. Like that's just super disheartening. And that's a terrible time to do that. And aside from all of what I talk about, like don't do that to new moms who are just like really excited to be pregnant. Um, don't, don't yuck their yum. Don't, don't make it about something, something like that and make their pregnancy an afterthought. Uh, pregnancy is expensive. Children are expensive. Um, nobody is going to join your Usborn book party like that if you're like a random Facebook acquaintance. Uh, that's just tacky. But that is not the fault of the company. Uh, that is just the fault of the people that I went to high school with. Um, but I did, I did ignore almost all of them. I did check the company out though. Um, because I do have a difficult time saying no to books. And 
I wanted to see if it was something that I could say yes to. It was way before Simply Ashes or Simply Anything was a, even like thought about. It was before I had a website. It was before I made a blog post about like, I think my first one was, was about uh, pregnancy even because that was what I thought the direction that I was going to go in. It was way before any of that. None of that came around until uh, Rue was outside of my body. Um, but even back then, we were already making the changes that we felt necessary to begin kind of this weird metamorphosis that happened. Um, we overhauled everything uh, that we thought our values were, um, and not in the sense that we're completely different people, but this idea of what was tolerable in the people that we were around, even if we didn't necessarily believe that. And so we did away from that, and we started doing the hard work on ourselves in order to be safe parents for her to have. Um, for me, that meant I wanted to take a really good, long, hard look at things that I never had access to a child, but I wanted to make sure that she had. And that's not to say experiences or things like that. I was very aware while I was pregnant that um, that my daughter is not a replacement for myself as a child. I can't be the parent to her that I never had growing up because she is not the daughter that I was growing up and very fundamentally even from the time that we were we were very 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 small like hours or two old um, we are fundamentally uh, different people but we also didn't have very many things in common I was a very chill baby uh, Rue was out and on my stomach and still attached to me and trying to nurse and holding her head up and, and crawling around. And I was just very content for the majority of my childhood to just kind of sit where I was put. And she's constantly moving. She was constantly moving in my belly. She was constantly moving when she came out. She constantly moves in her sleep. This kid never stops moving. So the idea that I could live vicariously through her was a thing that uh, I was very adamantly fighting against. I wanted to make sure that she had opportunities that I didn't have if she chose to take them. But one of the things that I couldn't get over was how much I loved books and how hard it was to read them. Um, whether it just be book to movie adaptations and um, all of a sudden realizing that this character that in my head looked like me looks nothing like me. And that's not in the sense of, oh, you know, we looked, we looked similar because we're we both had the same kind of hair, or I completely just ignored the way everything looked like, so it looked like me, like a slightly chubby but athletic preteen or whatever. No, I mean, I put myself 
in the story as somebody who looked like me. Even if the other physical characteristics weren't there, like they were always like this little brown kid. And then when the movie adaptation came and all of a sudden it's a slap in my face that like that didn't look like me at all and there's nothing that I can do to myself. I can't change a filter. I can't change a hair color. I can't put in contacts or any of that that will make me resemble this person at all. And that was really hard because of how much I love books. One thing that I really, really hoped was that she would love books as much as I do. Thus far, she does not. But we're working on it. So for me, I wanted her to have books where the main characters looked like her and were also written by people who looked like her and who were pulling from their own experiences in order to create characters who embodied those experiences and embodied their lives and embodied things that they wanted to share. And even if they're fantasy books or or fiction books or whatever genre within that, um, your lived experiences color the way that you write. They color the characters that you develop. They they color the world that you create and whether that world is from wanting to be a part of that and not quite being able to reach it or that being the world that you're in and struggling with that being the world that you're in. If you are not coming from somebody who lives some level of that experience and those are real world experiences, you can't write them and have them be genuine and believable to somebody who that is their lived experience. Kind of like when um, cis men write romance novels and they're describing women. And most women, like, you can immediately tell, oh, like, this is, this is a, um, an ambiguous name. But they, the way they described this woman's chest or hair or whatever, you know that that is a cis male and you feel icky. And that same thing translates into when white people are writing black characters but don't have the lived experience to write black characters. And that doesn't mean, oh, well, I didn't grow up black. Well, do you have black friends? Do you have any, did you consult anybody? Was there any way that you could have had somebody give you some insight as to whether or not this is accurate. Did you bother to check? Did you think that you should? Or did you just decide that stereotypically this makes sense or this is what needs to make sense for the story or whatever, whatever. Like these are, these are real world things that can happen. And if you're not writing them from the lived experiences and you're not checking with people who have lived those experiences, then no matter how good the story is, it's garbage. You don't get to just completely profit and monetize off of the idea that this is an experience that you're capable of writing 
and then be fine with the only people who are calling you out on it being the people who actually have those lived experiences because they're not the people who would buy the money or buy the books anyway. I get really excited when there's any sort of media where black people and brown people are the main characters and I will buy it. Like I will buy a ticket even if I don't necessarily go to the movie. I will buy the book on something. I will talk about it. I will read it. I will review it. I will do all of the things because I really want things like that to continue to be made. But I don't have the type of spending power that the people who want to experience that as if it's a lived experience, but also take away any of the hardships of that being and a legitimate lived experience away because then it's not fun. And then it like makes them feel things and it's depressing and maybe there's some guilt or shame associated with it. You don't get to do that and then make money too. Not my money. You can make somebody else's money, but not my money. And I wanted, I wanted her to have that, those genuine experiences. And I wanted her to be able to read about events or things that she may experience within her own life and have some sort of idea about how things have handled like people have handled that in the past or things could go or have an idea of what she would do differently in that situation from that character in that book or from take take away from the book that she read or, or have it in her head that these are this is how she feels about that whether she very strongly is not okay with the way that the character went through it and so if she ever went through things that way she would she would go a different way or that she connected to it really well so she would try to um try to pull from her reading that in order to get her through the situation um like I wanted her to have a foundation of understanding as as to what she was and wasn't comfortable with um, surrounding what was happening. And I wanted her to see herself as the main character without doing what I did, where I was pulled from the story and and it, it almost ruined that from me by like a character description. Um, but all of that is something that I wanted to be done as a deliberate decision by the author. I didn't want it to be a secondary thought, an afterthought uh, by an editor or a publisher or um, I don't know, anybody else involved in, in publishing a book or directing a movie or anything like that. Um, because diversity is more than representation. It's more than just replacing somebody with peachy skin or olive undertones uh, with somebody with brown skin and or dark skin and and kind of calling it a day. It's not just switching out actors and actresses. It's not just switching out uh, a paintbrush color on 
um, Procreate or Adobe or whatever software uh, graphic designers are using, and I'm sure that it's probably not either one of those. Um, but it's more than just replacing one pigment with another and calling it a day. Because diversity in media happens and can only happen when people recognize the fact that a character's background truly does influence who they will become and how they respond to situations. And yes, intersectionality exists, which just as much means that there are people who are authors who are white and disabled and black and disabled and have experiences that could be nearly identical, but they will be written completely different um, because intersectionality exists. One of them is just disabled. One of them is black and disabled. And the more marginalized communities that you add on top of each other, the further and further apart those um, those experiences get. And it doesn't matter if you give the characters all the same names, all the same um, professions, they're treated at the same hospital for the same emergency by the same staff, those characters will be written differently because of the experiences of who the author is. End of story. Um, and it's really important that we honor and we acknowledge that in order to have those characters portrayed genuinely instead of just this one big horrible stereotype that everybody hates. Um, well, not everybody hates or they wouldn't keep doing it. Um, but that is detrimental for the people that, that that character or those traits are supposed to represent. But this isn't a problem that Usborn isn't aware that they have. They have an entire page on their website that admits that they need to work on diversifying their team, their books, their authors. Um, and they also have an entire section talking about how they need to do better. But in my opinion, it misses the mark. It fails to address their part in upholding the... Um, the idea of a well-off, cisgender, able-bodied, white um, person being the default for their employees. And they talk about creating software to look at applicants uh, as if that is super helpful because that software is being developed and that code is being written by humans. So you can't take human error out of things by adding in a computer. You just have human error within AI that um, that people think is infalli infallible because they don't understand that subconscious biases exist. And those things are passed on in everything that we do. So that bias that whoever the programmer has or whatever the programmer has is still being inputted, input into that, um, into that program, whether it's purposeful or not. And I also don't um, believe that computers choosing the best candidate is ever 
a good idea or that it actually gets you the best candidate because it's just as important that the person is qualified as they are that they're um, personable in a um, in a field that requires you to be personable or um, I guess not personable in an environment that frowns upon that. So um, that will always be problematic. And it also is super expensive. And in all of these attempts to remove human error, expensive, expensive attempts, they could just be acknowledging that humans have to um, have to be an active part of the process at some point. And when you refuse to acknowledge and address the contribution that that human or those people, whoever, whoever they may be, that they're contributing to the issue, it sets everyone up for failure. And the list goes on and they, they talk about differences in socioeconomic background and trying to recruit from different places, but they're not necessarily talking about recruiting from different places. They're talking about, um, the impact of not having money on people's ability to want to have that job. Um, and that is not the case. There are very few jobs that I've seen where I've said, you know, somebody like me can't do that. That is 100% uh, based on money that I currently don't have or at the time I didn't have. It's not, I don't have the money as a person. It's I am not coming from someplace that is funded well enough to give me the tools that I need in order to be on the same page with other people my age who do not have the barrier of money and skin color in order to be in the places that the doors are open at. I cannot sit at those tables because I am not currently in some place that sets me up to be at those tables. It's not, I don't have the money to go to this college or to take this certification course or to wear the clothes that I need or to live in the space that I need. The problem is back when I was growing up and other people were able to put their children into schools. And this is, this is hypothetical. I went to a really good school. I was a really smart kid. I had opportunities, sort of. I didn't have as many opportunities, um, but I went to college. I did the thing. But the problem started way back when I was a kid, a young kid, and other people had their, let's say it's dance, because we couldn't afford dance classes for me. So other people had their kids in dance classes from the time that they were able to walk, and I was occasionally in dances for something that wasn't necessarily dance-oriented um, in high school. And to act like that is somehow an even playing field, because somebody came in at high school and said, okay, like now we're going to give you the resources to have these things that all of these other people that you're competing against have had for the last decade and a half, and you're getting them now between the ages of 16 and 18, and you're supposed to be on the same level as all of these other kids. Like, that doesn't make sense. That 
is not possible. And the idea that that is a fix that they felt like would for sure do some things is really frustrating um, because it shows that they're not, they don't have anybody at the table to tell them that that's not helpful and that's not as groundbreaking as they think it is and that's not super helpful and it's not going to create more diversity at the table. You cannot come in 11, 12, 13 years after everybody else has started and then give somebody the tools that they can start at and start on their own and expect them to be at the same level. Like that's just, that's just not a thing. Um, and I could continue to go on because it's, it's icky. And the more that I think about it, the more ick I get with it and the more that I want to talk about it. But that's not, that's not why I wanted to talk about this. Um, and I'm pretty sure that I've made my whole like Osborne isn't diverse and doesn't get my money point pretty well by now, but my actual reason in talking about it stems from um, what I talked about last week, where um, no one thought to look to see whether or not I was the demographic for the party. Um, It was just kind of assumed that because her, quote, girlies love seeing themselves um, in their Usborne books, that my children would feel the same way. And that was a deliberate plead for me because I've gotten those messages before and I know that it's just a copy and paste message and you can edit certain parts of it and that was the part that they could edit. Um, because the company openly admits that diversity isn't there and that their books aren't currently reflective of people of color, of people with different abilities, of people with different familiar makeup, familial uh, makeups, or even people of different genders. So you can take the time to move things around within this copy and paste message, but you can't take the time to look at the books that you're selling from the catalog that you're selling, that you're picking your kids' things out and see that there's nothing that looks like my child in there and thinking maybe you should take that part out. Uh, So I got the message and it was at like three o'clock in the morning and I was exhausted. Like I was up. It didn't wake me up. My phone doesn't make noise. Um, So it wasn't annoying like that, but I was still really tired and I couldn't sleep. So I read it from the drop-down menu and uh, I quickly decided that I was not a human enough to, to answer it right then. And I spent the rest of the night wondering whether I would bother answering it at all or whether I would just kind of blow it off. And if I did answer it, how would I answer it? But eventually, I kind of got to the point where I thought about how far I'd come in the last several years and decided that I wasn't going to make up some excuse so that I couldn't participate and I wasn't going to pretend that I hadn't seen it. Um, And so I decided that I would respond uh, when I woke up because me responding to anything on no sleep is uh, bad news bears for everyone. But 
I gave myself permission to just say no thanks. If that was all the emotional labor that I had, all the all the mental ability, availability that I had was to say no thanks, I was still going to do that. Um, however, a night full of thinking about it and 15 minutes of writing, I came up with a little bit more of no thanks. And instead, I said this. So, um, hey, insert name here. Um, Thanks for thinking of us. I've been following Usborne closely since I found out I was pregnant with Rue, but their lack of diversity in content and in authors has always been an issue for me. While I'm positive your daughters both love the books, I imagine that's at least in part due to being able to see themselves in the story. Unfortunately, Usborne still has work to do before my daughter and son will be able to see themselves or their struggles as main characters and events in the books Usborne sells. I looked to see if anything changed after I got your message, but it appears as though even from their own statement, they have a lot of work to do. And then I linked their statement because I am that bitch. Um, And I went on to say, relatable stories are more than just painting a peach kid a shade of brown and calling it a day. Lived experiences are different, even at our children's age. And those experiences are truly only captured from the eyes of a diverse lens of authors. Sure, not all stories have to be dependent on different races, cultures, or abilities, but it's just as important that non-marginalized children read books from separate points of view by authors who experience it. Until that happens, Usborne is not for us, but here are some great places to find books written with other people in mind if that's an avenue you'd be interested for in your family. And then I linked um, my Just Like Me box affiliate link, the B-Bomb Book Club, um, teacher star pants on TikTok, who I still adore, and a YouTube video about how to diversify uh, your library. And that will most likely be my default response from now on. So almost immediately, I got an answer that heavily implied that uh, um, <laughs> that they would check out the links that I sent which are the same as in the Simply More post where I talked about it originally, uh, because I put them in a position where the other opportunity made them look bad. So that sounds like something that is not my problem to unpack, so I didn't really say anything else about it. But even if that was how I meant it, is that somehow more rude than hopping into the inbox of the same person every couple of months to send some variation of the same message uh, despite not having seen each other in almost a decade? To me, no. I was kinder than I could have been. I was kinder than I was at four o'clock in the morning when I still wasn't asleep. Uh, and thinking about it, and I was definitely kinder than the other people in the group that we were all forcefully being added to. Um, But that's fine. Um, Like I said, I don't speak to this person often, and if she never speaks to me again, I am fine with that. Um, Because my daughter loves to make things that look like her whether she's making mermaid costumes out of paper or video game characters or coloring people like the all of them always brown 
she's always brown or tan or something. In fact, she was actually um, playing Animal Crossing with me one day about a month or a month and a half ago. And she has refused to play it since because she was at my island. And I don't know how it happened because my skin color on the game is the same whether I was on my screen or I was on hers. But she was several shades lighter on my screen. And she was really upset. And... um and she was mad that it didn't stay dark. And it took me a little bit to understand that that was what she was trying to tell me. Because, like, my character's blue um, and looked the same. And it took me a hot second to actually realize that, no, really, she was right. Like, her character was changing color on the screen. And she was getting lighter. And she was really, really upset about that. And, um... And so she doesn't play it anymore, but that was, that was something because I remember bleaching my skin in high school and being upset that like it didn't work because I wanted to be lighter and here my daughter is, who's lighter than I am, um, upset that her avatar isn't darker and more reflective of the way that she looks all the time. So knowing all of that and having experienced all of that and and even the time that she brought me the book Curls and she was just like, Mama, do my hair like this. And it was, they were like fro puffs and she doesn't quite have enough hair to do them. But I, I still made it happen because she saw beautiful hairstyles on hair that looks like mine and looks like hers and brought it to me and wanted me to do it. And that was the first time that she had ever brought me a picture of anything and said, Mom, I want my hair to look like this or I want my clothes to look like this or any of that. And the fact that it was a style that I could do with her hair um, because she doesn't quite have like four hair like I do but she definitely doesn't she definitely has the hair of a mixed kid and so doing her hair is sometimes really tough and and to know that that might be an obstacle that I would have with her but that she didn't care because she loved the styles and she thought they were beautiful and she couldn't wait for me to do them and to pick out beads and all of these other things was really cool and that was something that I didn't get to experience as a kid. Um, how how could I put my money somewhere who only sees the importance of that experience of of kids in theory rather than in practice? And I know how important that is to her to be represented represented accurately. And on purpose. I, I can't do that. Especially not so that someone else's child can get free books or points or um, a certain percentage discount. Um, because marginalized communities exist. And their experiences are reflective of their belonging to that community. So continuing to give the impression that white 
um, able-bodied and heteronormative relationships are the default only tells one side of of a story that has so many different facets so multifaceted and could be so beautiful and so many things get left out because everything else is considered an afterthought or secondary and you go from okay well things can't be white cis able-bodied and heteronormative so now we're going to move to like the palatably different so we're going to talk and do light-skinned with um, disabilities that require like hand crutches or wheelchairs but nothing that's like disfiguring and we can do um, lesbian couples but we can't do gay couples or we can do um, couples where they're in a heteronormative relationship or a hetero passing relationship but one of them is gender non-conforming and we'll call that palatably diverse but gay gay men absolutely not and disfiguring disabilities absolutely not and mental disabilities that aren't um, somehow related to uh, eugenics-level autism, eugenics-safe autism, so things that would have been considered lower support needs, or um, as Hans Asperger, the Nazi, would say, Asperger's. Um, But you never... Once you get to dark skin and disfiguring disabilities and heavy mental illnesses and heavy mental um, mental disabilities and and gay relationships, all of a sudden that's not palatable anymore, and so it's supposedly not kid safe, and so nobody wants to tell those stories. And when you're not telling those stories of the people who are living it, you're also not telling the stories of the people who are adjacent to the people who are living it, who have very different stories, who are just as valuable to be told. Being the caregiver of somebody who's disabled when you're young is is a completely different story than the story that we hear all the time of um, so-and-so's an autism mom and she's struggling and she has to give up her whatever, I don't know. Um, it's very different than the story of a child whose parent is disabled, incredibly physically disabled or incredibly mentally disabled, and they're trying to raise themselves and, and make sure that they have their own future and still be respectful and loving towards their parents and the differences that, 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 that makes to the story and how interesting that can be. And yes, it sucks sometimes, and yes, it's sad, and yes, um, yes, it's not all sunshine and lollipops, and it's not, oh, I'm a martyr because I had this whole life ahead of me, and then I had this disabled child, and I had to give it all up. But how many people actually want that kind of feel-good thing? And does that really feel good? Because even just reading the descriptions of some of these feels awful. So why would 
why would that be what I want my child to to experience when she could experience the whole spectrum of of the story and that doesn't completely exclude white voices either it just means that we're not centering them and that's okay because we're not a white centered family and we recognize that other family structures exist and other family appearances exist not just here but outside of our door we're supposed to be preparing our children to experience the world and the world doesn't look like what is between the four walls of our home with the um ongoing legislation in the united states that really just seeks to silence all of the other sides of the stories. It's more important now than ever for people to put their money where their mouth is where they can. And not everybody can do that. And that's okay. But for those of us who can, and those of us that uh, want to, I guess, where we can and where we want to. I understand that there are barriers for things. Um, it's still important that we that we use that where we can. For me, Usborn just Usborn ain't it. But not everyone's me, and that is also okay. And not everybody has the same priorities, and that's fine. Read to your kids, read with your kids, read near your kids, volunteer at a library to read to other people's kids. Um, and if this is how you make that happen, that's great. Go for it. I will not sit here and be an ass about it. Um, however, please stop holding me hostage in the group. So, okay, thanks. Bye.